0: Father God, we're here before you again this morning just to hear directly from you. We pray that this fellowship this morning could be heart to heart. It's important for our hearts to be in the right condition to receive, and so we just pray any kind of barriers, any kind of insulation, anything that would interfere would just be put away. Could put our phones away, put our thoughts of what will happen after this time away, grant us a time where our hearts can just be open and attentive to what you have to say. Amen. Well, good morning. Are you ready to go back to school? Oh, there was a groan from the one side of, the, of this place. That's, yeah, you know, that's, that's just the way life goes. You go through those school years. Are you ready to go back to work? Uh, see, <laughs> doesn't matter which side you're on. <laughs> it's exactly the same whether you're doing one or the other. Um, welcome if you're visiting us. Um, we uh, we've been going through this series called The Great Cloud of Witnesses, and we have uh, we've been going through the Book of Genesis, and we're at this person called Jacob. And this morning. We're going to touch on something that I feel is extremely important and I'm not going to lie to you that there are many of us who would love to skip this completely. Skip this lesson, skip this experience. Can we just do it? But God in his sovereignty and his wisdom would say, no, I can't let you do that. You need to go through this. You need to pass through this. You'll be different on the other side of this, so I can't let you avoid it. So let me just, uh, let me just back it up a little bit and give you a bit of a, uh, a rewind. I'm gonna rewind us back 20 years, not for you, but for Jacob. Uh, 20 years previous, um, Jacob was at home and there had been a big blow up in the house and there was a struggle over who would get the blessing whether it would be older son Esau or second son Jacob. And remember, these two are twins, so they're not far apart. So there was this big blow up and things didn't go well. And I want to show you one verse to give you a little window into the heart of Esau, the twin of Jacob. It's Genesis 27 and verse 41 I'll read it for you. It goes, now Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing with which his father had blessed him. You know, there are some times in the Bible when the word hated just means loved less. This is not one of them. Okay? This is full out emotional anger, hatred. Now, Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing with which his father had blessed him. And Esau said to himself, The days of mourning for my father are approaching. Then I will kill my brother Jacob. And, you know, I just want to, for those of you who are not familiar with who this Esau character is, he is skillful in hunting. He is a skillful hunter. He knows how to track something, find it. And kill it. And he doesn't mind to wait. Time for him is not a problem. He knows exactly what to do, how to do it. You and I, we would have no no clue, right? Tracking some game, some buck in the woods, we'd be like, I don't even know what that is. But Esau knew exactly. When he says, Jacob, I'm going to kill you. He means it, and he knows how to do it, and time, not an issue for him. He definitely will wait because he wants to carry out what he said he was going to do. I want to show you one other verse because I think it's important for what we're about to talk about this morning. This was just to set the scene for what is going on in Esau's heart. But these are the words that Isaac, his father, spoke to him. As a kind of a blessing, he had already given the major blessing to his brother Jacob, and this is all that he had left. He said, by your sword you shall live, and you shall serve your brother. But when you grow restless, you shall break his yoke from your neck. And that's what I want to focus on this morning. That's the title of this message, is Break the Yoke. Esau was encouraged to break the yoke. Yes, I know your brother has taken advantage of you. I know what your brother has done. And that has become like a yoke to you. The question that Isaac is really presenting to Jacob is, sorry, to Esau is, will you continue to have this yoke on you forever? And and he says, when you grow restless you will break the yoke. And just for the sake of this morning, I know historically this has greater significance, but I just want to, for the sake of this morning, just help you to see that the yoke that Esau has around his neck, and just in case you're not familiar with what a yoke is, Iman, can you go to the... That's a yoke. It is something that binds cattle together so that they do something. And in this case, it's a good thing in what... Isaac is saying to Jacob so to Esau it's not a good thing. It's restrictive. It's holding him back from being who he should really be. And so let's just continue. He says, "I want you to eventually I hope that the yoke that is on your neck from your brother will be broken." And again, just for the sake of this morning, I hope you can see that the yoke that we're talking about here is that deep anger and hatred and bitterness and resentment that Esau has towards Jacob. It's not easy carrying that kind of thing around. Jacob knew that his brother had these kind of feelings towards him, and he left. Now, he knew he'd offended him, he knew he'd hurt him, and the interesting thing is Jacob never forgot this. Now Jacob has 20 years ahead of him. He's going, to meet, he's going to meet Rachel and Leah and Laban and all this. We've been through this already. So he's got a lot of new things going on, but he never forgot this. And so you might say in our Western way of saying things, maybe he took the pot from the front burner and put it on the back burner, but it never left him. In fact, it lingered a lot in Jacob's heart. He remembered that face. He remembered those words. And so it's interesting because you've got Esau with his thing and you've got Jacob with all the effects. The, the beauty for, J, for Jacob is he's got a new horizon. He's got new situation. He can f- kind of forget about it. Esau felt the sting of what had happened. I want to fast forward now To what would be Jacob's presence, and that is chapter 31 and verse 3. I just want to show you one verse. God is now going to direct Jacob back home. The Lord said to Jacob, Return to the land of your fathers and to your kindred, and I will be with you. It's interesting that God is now going to direct him home. It's good. The 20 years is over, Jacob has learned the lessons that he needs to learn. But here's the challenge let me just for sake of demonstration say, this is where he is at present. This is home. This is home. And right before he gets home, on the doorstep of home, Esau lives. Esau is still living. Esau has all of his anger and now Jacob is told, "Go home." And I know the way most of us in this room would think is, if I, it was me, I would get this way, and I would just take a southern route, and I would get home. Or I would be even cl- more clever, and I would just you know take a winding route over here, and I you know I would avoid Esau as best I could. I would just go wherever I because I don't want to face Esau. And God says, "I'm sorry." That's not what I have for you. What I have ordained, what I need you to pass through is Esau before you get home. And that was uncomfortable, for sure, for Jacob. And let's not not let this be too far from us. We don't like this either. We don't like passing through things from our past, do we? Offenses and hurt. We don't want to face those kind of things. We'd rather avoid them. We'd rather pretend it's okay. Time has healed all the wounds. Reality is, it's not true. And even more tough than that is God says, I want you to pass through this. And here's, here's why. When you, when you understand who God is, he wants complete and thorough restoration and forgiveness experiences for every one of his children. Don't miss this. Don't miss the opportunity to get forgiveness, to give forgiveness. Don't miss the opportunity to be restored. To have your heart restored with someone that you had some falling out with some time ago. Well, let's see. Jacob is now on his way home, and we're going to pick it up in chapter 32. We're going to start at verse 3, and it goes this way Jacob sent messengers before him to Esau. So he knows Esau's here. He's not dumb. It's not like, oh my goodness, I totally forgot about Esau. Not a chance. He remembered Esau. And now he's going home, and it says, Jacob sent messengers before him to Esau, his brother, in the country of Edom, instructing him, thus you shall say to my Lord. The the language that Jacob uses is very interesting. It does show you, it does show you that Jacob has changed. He's using extremely humble language, which is a uh, a product of what he's gone through with God. "I, I have sojourned with Laban and stayed until now. I have oxen and donkeys. I got a lot of stuff he's saying. In order that I may find favor in your sight. This is what Jacob is 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 doing. Let's keep going. And the messengers return to Jacob. This is the this is the best answer that the messengers could have ever given to Jacob. And the messengers return to Jacob saying, "Hey, we found your brother Esau, and he's coming to meet you, and he's bringing 400 of his men." beautiful, isn't it? God is just not, you know, like we can try to avoid it and God says, not going to happen because I'm going to bring it right to your doorstep. Oh, you don't think Jacob is starting to get a little afraid? My brother told me when we were leaving, he hates me. He's going to kill me. This is my day. So he continues, verse 7, then Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed. Of course, he divided the people who were with him and the flocks. And he says, if Jacob comes to one group of the people and attacks it, at least the other one can run away. Interesting, the past history still lingered in Jacob's heart. Not too not not to, not to, not to uh, shortly, uh, shortly, sorry, shortly after that, let me show you the verses that come right after this, starting with verse nine. How many of you have ever been in a crisis situation? Come on, let me see. Crisis, like emergency, kid broke a leg. I'm not talking about your kid got 50% on a test. That is not a crisis. That is not an emergency. That's just a happening. Get over it. Crisis in your family, what does your prayer sound like when you've had a pr- when you have a crisis God you know you don 't have all of those fancy words, right you don 't like like flowery words, oh God, my father, I love you to- God i 'm in trouble, I need help. Well, look at this, oh God, my Father of Abraham and Isaac, O oh Lord, who said to me, return to your country and to your kindred that I may do, that, sorry that I may do you good I'm not worthy of the least of all the deeds of steadfast love and the, all the faithfulness that you've shown to your servant for with only my staff I crossed this Jordan and now I've become I've become two camps in other words I've become really wealthy through you keep going please deliver me Okay, that's his real heart that's genuine that's his real heart deliver me from the hand of my brother from the hand of Esau for I fear him that he may come and attack me and the moms and the kids. But you said, I will surely do you good and make your offspring as the sand of the sea, which cannot be numbered if for multitude. Good, good point to hold God to his word. But here's where you can see some progress in Jacob now, because before he would never have prayed this way and he has really gotten to know God over the years. But You know, the prayer is one thing right after this in verse 13. Look what happens. So he stayed there for the night. And from what he had, he took a present for his brother Esau. 220 goats, 220 sheep, anyway, a lot of animals. And here's his scheme. He says, I'm going to set this up in three different Groups and I'm going to have a little bit of a gap between each one. So my brother Esau is coming towards me. Okay, go, go and tell Esau uh, these these are a present from Jacob, your servant. Okay, then so 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 they go. The second group, go, you go. So there's a distance. Third group, you go. What do you think? What do you think Jacob's trying to do? Soften the blow, make it a little bit easier on him. Of course that's what he's trying to do. So on the one hand, has Jacob grown and he's now praying in a humble, more contrite manner? Yeah, he is. But he's also a schemer. He's still that way. Just in case God doesn't come through. Here's my back door. And of course, he does say, if you can go to the next slide for me, Iman, he does say that my brother would accept me. That my brother would accept me well I want to come to the the verses where Jacob actually meets Esau these are now we're going to skip something Nigel's going to cover it next week we're going to skip the wrestling with God we'll we'll come to that next week we want to go to the actual meeting so all of Jacob's schemes have been carried out and there's Esau's getting closer and Jacob if I'm Jacob I'm walking slow, slow down slow down We're we're in no hurry, right? We've got to give the kids a little bit more rest. Why? Because he doesn't want to meet. Esau, if I can delay this longer, it's good. Maybe his, his anger will calm down. So you're kind of expecting that there's going to be like a clash here. Surprise, surprise. Look what happens. Chapter 33, starting at verse 1. Jacob lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, Esau was coming, and 400 men with him. So he divided the children. He's still a schemer. Among Leah and Rachel, and he put the two servants first, and he put Leah and her kids next, and he put Rachel and Joseph last, and he went before, which is good. I'm glad to see he's not back here. (laughs) That would not have been good at all. So he puts himself before he's bowing. Again, just very humble, very contrite. Go to the next set of verses. Verse 4. But Esau ran to meet him, embraced him, fell on his neck, and kissed him, and they wept. What happened? That that took everybody by surprise, right? Unless you've read your Bible before and then you, you knew what was coming. You don't expect this. You don't expect this. And when Esau lifted up his eyes and saw the women and children, he said, who are all these with you? Jacob said, these are the children that God has graciously given to me. Then the servants drew near and Leah came near and Rachel came near. Keep going. Esau said, why did you send me three companies of... Why did you send me... what was, the, what was with that whole thing? And of course, uh, you know, he says, oh, uh, I wanted to find favor in your sight, my Lord. But Esau said, I have enough, my brother. Keep what you have for yourself. Jacob said, no, please, if I have found favor in your, in your sight, then accept my present from my hand. And I love this. Jacob says, for I have seen your face, which is like seeing the face of God, and you have accepted me what a great surprise. Never in Jacob's wildest dreams did he imagine that Esau would have received him like this. He expected the worst because he had actually done the worst. He'd done something pretty nasty and he expected he would get paid back for it. So it's interesting here to notice with the Manner in which Esau comes to Jacob, he ran to him, he embraced him, he kissed him. And he says his face was like the face of God. Something changed with Esau. Something changed with Esau. And I would ask you, does this sound like the man who is still carrying the yoke from before this sounds like a man who had his who had the yoke broken this man has had an encounter with God this man has known forgiveness and when you truly know forgiveness the people who have hurt you the most you have the ability to forgive them but if you're still carrying the yoke around the bitterness is still there the anger is still there the resentment is building This could have been a really bad situation. But it wasn't because Esau broke through. Esau's breakthrough was not dependent on Jacob. It's not like, Jacob, I need to see you get punished first then I'll be okay. I need my pound of flesh. Make sure you're hurt in some way like I was, then I'll be okay. Didn't need that. Esau broke through with God. And as I mentioned earlier, the freedom we experience through forgiveness is so helpful for the person we need to forgive. Your freedom... Can become their freedom. I want to finish this message this way. I want to consider with you what are you holding on to? What past grudge, what past offense still has hold in your heart? So let me look at it from the standpoint of those of you who have been offended by unkind words said about you, unkind words said to you, unloving actions done to you. I'm going to tell you a story. Actually, I'm not going to tell you a story. I'm just going to show you a picture of a sister who had a breakthrough in this area many years ago. Her name is Cory Ten Boom. This is a sister who was in a concentration camp because her and her family members hid Jews during the war. And because of what she was doing, she got thrown into a prison camp. She was severely mistreated along with her sister Betsy. And I have a video for you just to give you a little bit of an idea of what happened one day when she had to experience, uh, she had to give forgiveness to someone who had offended her greatly. Here we go.
1: Now, in this week's episode of Preposterous People, I want to talk about a woman by the name of Corey Ten Boom. Can we lift the... And, uh... and her sister Betsy lived in Holland during World War II. These women were Christian women, and it is because of their faith in Jesus that they saw what the Nazis were doing to the Jewish people. And they decided to hide Jewish people in their homes. And they did this for many years until they were found out by the Nazis. And once they were found out by the Nazis, they themselves were put into a concentration camp and left to work and die. Now, it was in Ravensburg Concentration Camp that, unfortunately, Bessie died right before the Allied soldiers were able to rescue them. Now, in the years after the war, Corey went back to Germany to preach about Jesus and forgiveness. And after she was done one day preaching in a church, a man came walking up to her. He was a German soldier, and she recognized him as he approached her. He was one of the German soldiers who were in that concentration camp when she was there. And all of these emotions started flooding up in Corey's mind. What is she going to say to this man? This Nazi soldier walked up to her and said, I need to ask you for forgiveness. Since the war, I've become a Christian and I realized the horrible things that I did to people. And I want to say I'm sorry. Now, Corey was faced with an almost impossible decision. She had just got done preaching about Jesus and about forgiveness, and now she is face-to-face with one of the people who is very much responsible for the death of her sister. She wrestled as to what to do for what she said seemed like an eternity. She wrote about the story, and I want to read it to you. Corey said, And I still stood there with the coldness clutching my heart. But forgiveness is not an emotion. I knew that, too. Forgiveness is an act of the will, and the will can function regardless of the temperature of the heart. Help, I prayed silently. I can lift my hand. I can do that much. You, Lord, supply the feeling. And so woodenly, mechanically, I thrust my hand into the one stretched out to me. And as I did, an incredible thing took place. The current started in my shoulder and raced down my arm. Sprang into our joint hands. And then this healing warmth seemed to flood my whole being, bringing tears to my eyes. I forgive you, brother, I cried with all of my heart. For a long time, we grasped each other's hands, the former guard and the former prisoner. I had never known God's love so intensely as I did there. Corey's story is preposterous to the world. But in the kingdom of God, it makes a lot of sense. Our hurt
0: and our mistreatment is real. I don't want to downplay this as grow a spine and get over it. That's not what the message is this morning. The message is there's a way to get through. God does not want you to get through by avoiding it. God wants you to get through by hitting it it head on. The mistreatment you've, you've experienced is real. The hurt you feel is real, and that is still affecting you because bitterness has still got its hold on your heart. Resentment is still growing within you, and you wish that somehow you could get forgiveness in your heart for another person. In fact, every time you think about that person these kind of things just start coming up again. I know I've gone through a number of things over the years. Uh, and so, I, so I, it's not like I'm speaking from the standpoint of I, I, don't, I don't understand what you're, what you're going through. I do. I've been through some very difficult things where I was uh, treated poorly. And, and you know, I feel like The Lord said to me uh, on a number of occasions, and not that I got through on every single one of these occasions, because sometimes it was repeated on the same one. It was kind of like the Lord, just in different moments through songs, through the word, as I was alone. um, The Lord would say, How long will you let the yoke be on you? How long? How long will you carry the yoke around? And isn't it about time? That yoke was broken. And you know, let me share something else with you because I think this is as real as the whole episode. And you know, some of us, for sure, we were mistreated. We were spoken about improperly. Whatever happened, it happened. And after a while, if we don't deal with it, It becomes something that lodges in our heart and it causes us to play the victim all the time. And that's not healthy. God wants us to face these things head on, deal with them head on. This is a hard issue that has to be dealt with. And sometimes the difficult thing is it's gotta be with somebody else. Somebody who has hurt you greatly. You know, I I think sometimes it's like, you know, we, we 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 bring this memory back and we talk to others about it, and on the one hand, we're trying to get healing, but in the same sense, we're looking for sympathy, and that's not helpful either. What we need is forgiveness, not sympathy. We need forgiveness from a God who sympathizes He knows what you've gone through. There could not be a person who has been more mistreated and yet who forgave the way he forgave. You might be on the other side where you've been the offender, not the offended. And it was your words and it was your action and I would ask you, how long will you let it go on for that other person? How long will you let it go on for this person? Will you get reconciled and restored with that other person. And I wanna just give you a quick solution. We're not gonna spend a lot of time. I hope in your small groups, you can spend a lot more time in this. A solution to help you to break the yoke and not to avoid it. I wanna give you three things. Number one, from Colossians three thirteen. Look at this verse. If one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. So brothers and sisters, It starts with us. We've got to be willing to forgive the other person. But it doesn't end there. Second point would be this sincerely ask, as Jesus asked on the cross Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them. It's not just about you saying your little thing, that's important. But what you're doing when you say, Father, forgive them, you're saying, Father, let them off the hook. No more guilt, no more condemnation to that person. I know this is hard. I just went through it. It's not easy. But if you want real forgiveness and real restoration, these kinds of things have to be prayed from you. These things have to, at least this dialogue has to begin the last thing I would say is this. And I'm I'm using Luke 6, 28 for this. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. And I would just leave you with this thought. It's it's not just good enough for for you to forgive them and for also for you to ask the Father to forgive them I would challenge you to say this as well. Father, don't just forgive them, but bless them. Bless them. Pour out your blessing on them. And the struggle that I had is every time I tried to do this, there was problems in my heart. I couldn't do it. I just couldn't do it. I could pray I I could say, oh, I I forgive them. But the more I saw their faces, the more I remembered their words, the more I remembered their actions, the more that thing laid hold of my heart and I said, I'm not praying the next two. And it took me a while. I'm talking about something that I've just passed through the last couple of weeks, but the episode happened over a decade ago. Don't miss this. Don't avoid this. Eventually, as I was praying through this thing, I felt like, Father, I really and truly want you to forgive them. And Father, I do want you to bless them. Don't hold back on your blessing. And I realized what that meant, you know, because I'm thinking, you know, I know those people. And maybe one day they'll say, you see, Ian, see how much God has blessed us? And I was like, oh, I don't know if I want to hear that, that word. But the Lord broke through, and I'm very thankful for it. Now I can honestly say, as I consider those people before me, I just, I would say, Father, bless them. Amen? I know this is tough. This is a tough one. But it's so precious. It's so necessary. Let me just pray. I have a couple of announcements for you. Father, thank you for bringing us to this beautiful picture in your word of restoration and reconciliation, of forgiveness. Thank you that you lay it before our feet this morning. And you don't just present it to us as knowledge, but you present it to us as opportunity because every one of us probably has something. And we want to live as people who are not under the yoke of any kind of slavery, we want to be free people who can love you and love others just as much. So Father, we pray, do a deep work in our hearts this morning. This might be the beginning. This also might be the end where this was the last thing we needed to hear and now we're going to actually do it. Wherever we are in that in that spectrum, Father, I just pray you would help us through the whole thing. You're such a good God. You want us to be restored and reconciled with our brothers, with our sisters, with our family members, with our co-workers, with our neighbors. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. I would highly recommend this book. For any of you who are struggling with this, it's called Total Forgiveness. Uh, The author is R.T. Kendall. Fabulous book. Uh, You can, I don't know if you can, well, I'm sure you can get it at most of your bookstores. I only have one copy and I treasure it. So please don't ask me, can you borrow it? i don't want to offend you um really good book um we're going to be coming to the life of joseph soon kendall deals with the life of joseph joseph went through something very very similar to what jacob went through a couple of a uh, couple of announcements um one would be uh, this is this is a thank you really from me to you thank you for supporting us for the city youth conference uh, for all your prayer for all your contributions, whatever they were, for those of you who opened your home for hospitality and you took teenagers into your home, thank you. I hope they didn't ruin your home. (laughs) I never got any reports that they did, but thank you so much. Thank you for opening up your homes for lunches. It made a Big impact on the young people's hearts. I just want to thank you so much. I know, as a person who's worked with young people for a while, it's good to have the support of a larger community. We do not at City Youth at all think that what we're doing is in any way separated from the, the church. It is part of what we're, what we're doing, it's one thing. Uh, one quick announcement: um, Brother Andrew Young's parents are being baptized this morning. Um so if you can stay and pray and witness it'll be right over here uh September 14th. Yes. We will have two things happening. Help me. Yeah. Good. Okay. <laughs> we have two things happening. Number 1, we are having baby dedications. That's awesome. It's always good to have new babies. Um and to dedicate them to the Lord. That's awesome. And then later, we will be having baptisms. We're not sure quite yet the order. So if you are interested in being baptized, please talk to us. If you have a child that you want to dedicate, we'd love to do that for you. Okay? I think we're done. Good. Thank you so much for coming. See you next week.